This week, I was honestly having a difficult time figuring out what I wanted to preach about, and so I was talking to a friend of mine and kind of picking his brain for ideas, and he mentioned that he hadn't heard a whole lot of sermons growing up and recently that are based out of the Gospels. And he hears a lot of sermons based on Paul's writing or from the Old Testament, but not really a lot from the Gospels themselves. And I began to think about it and realized that I haven't had too many sermons based directly out of the Gospels either. So to kind of make up for that, what I wanted to do is start a new series where I go through a lot of Jesus's parables that he told. And parables were an earthly story or example that Jesus would use to convey kind of a spiritual meaning. So the first of these that we're going to look at comes from Matthew chapter 7. And this takes place right at the end of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, where he's on the mountain and there's a large crowd gathered there from all different kinds of backgrounds and different levels of faith. And he's giving them all of these different kinds of teachings. And he ends that sermon with this illustration, with this parable that he tells. So again, Matthew chapter 7, and we begin reading in verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So this parable that Jesus tells is one of the parables where he gives the explanation along with it, where he's saying that these houses, one built on the rock and one built on the sand, illustrates what our lives look like when we do or do not base our lives upon the teachings of Scripture. And so he's using the example of these houses needing a strong foundation to stand upon. And it really doesn't matter how the rest of the house is built. If it's built on a poor foundation, it doesn't really matter how beautiful or well put together the house is because it's going to completely fall apart unless it has that strong foundation. And of course, the houses illustrate our lives and the foundation is either our own principles or the teachings of Scripture. And what Jesus is saying through this illustration as he's talking to these people who have been listening to him provide many, many good teachings is he's telling them that these aren't just teachings to think to themselves, well, wow, that was a good teaching, and just kind of ponder it and think about it and, and then go on with their life as usual. He's saying, you need to put these teachings into practice in your actual life. And he's telling them that scripture and these teachings of God are really meant to be more of a law for their life than it is to be a theory. And that teaching 
that he's getting across through this parable is just as relevant today as it was back then. Because there can be so many people that go to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and listen to the sermon, listen to God's word being taught, but never actually put it into practice in their life. And Jesus is saying that this is the only way that the teaching will make any difference in your life is if you actually put it into practice in your life. It's not just meant to be a theoretical teaching or maybe a nice thought or even just a wish of what a perfect world would be like. He's saying, no, these are principles that are meant to help you with your life as it is to develop it into something that will actually stand in the test of time. And it's not enough to just listen to Scripture and listen to the teachings of God and memorize them really well. You can memorize the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, but if you never applied it to your life, it would honestly make the whole thing pointless. You would have just wasted your time because you never actually applied it. And God's teaching is meant to be applied, not just thought about or even just memorized. It has to be applied. Just like with any house, if you've got the blueprints all put together and you can understand the blueprints, you can read them, you know what everything stands for, and know why it's important to build the house this way and to use this kind of foundation and, and to have these support beams in the right locations. And you can understand all of that. But if you then take that blueprint and just set it aside and go build whatever you feel like building, then there was really no point to having that blueprint in the first place. And God's word gives us the blueprint of how we are meant to live our life but the only, the only way that's going to have really any matter, any substance in our life, is if we move it from just what we're thinking about to the way that we actually live. And that is what Jesus is calling through this parable, is for people to put his teachings, to put scripture into practice in their life. Don't just make it a theory Make it the law of your life. And that's the primary point that Jesus is trying to get across. But like we'll probably see throughout this series of Jesus' parables, a lot of the parables that he gives and the teachings that he provides, they have a primary meaning, and then they also have secondary understandings as well. And so I want to move us now from the primary meaning of this parable and, and the main purpose of it to also other points that we can see through this parable. And one of those things that I noticed as I was reading through this is that you have the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand. So one was built correctly, the other one was not built correctly, and yet both of them encountered the storms and the rain, and the winds, and the tide. They both encountered those same storms. And this is an important principle to realize when it comes to our lives as well, 
is that the storms are going to come either way. The storms come regardless of whether we've got our life put together on the word of God or if we're flying by the seat of our pants. Either way, the storms are going to arrive. And the question then becomes, are we ready for those storms? And it's important that that's our perspective, that we're asking ourselves that question. Am I ready? Is my life built on God's word so that when these storms arrive that I'm ready for it, that that's our focus instead of trying to make our goal being to stop the storms and thinking that, well, if I can just get the storms from approaching, if I can just stop my house from being caught in the storm, then I'll be fine. But that is a terrible way to approach building a house or to approach your life is to somehow think that your life will be good as long as you can get rid of the storms. Because you can never fully get rid of the storms. There will always be troubles in your life. As long as we live in a fallen, sinful world, we will have troubles, frustrations, unexpected circumstances. That's part of living in a fallen world. And so if we're trying to spend our whole lives trying to get away from the storms and think that that's what God wants our life to be all about, we're completely missing the point. The point isn't to try to get rid of the storms and live in this paradise world. The point is to apply our life to Scripture so that it really doesn't matter whether or not those storms are there. We're ready for them. And it makes me think of uh, a really funny scene from the show I Love Lucy, which I didn't really watch a lot of I Love Lucy growing up, you know, maybe just a couple episodes here and there. But I'm still very familiar with probably one of the most iconic scenes of all, you know, TV history, and especially one of the most iconic scenes in I Love Lucy, which is the scene with the chocolate factory, where Lucy's working at the chocolate factory, and she's supposed to wrap up these chocolates as they come down uh, the conveyor belt, and she's not supposed to let any chocolates get through without being wrapped. And it starts off really easily, you know, just nice slow conveyor belt, just one piece of chocolate, and then one more evenly spaced out. And she's starting off and she's thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really good. I've got this. It's fine. And then it starts speeding up and there gets to be more chocolates almost kind of piled up on the belt. And she quickly is not able to keep up with the chocolates as fast as they're coming. And she's getting more and more overwhelmed to the point where she's not even trying to wrap the chocolates up anymore. She's just doing everything she can to keep any of the chocolates from getting past her and going through to the other side. And and I think so often that's how people's lives go. That it starts off and they think, yeah, you know, I've, I've got this figured out. I've got this put together. And then as life begins to get more complicated and there get to be more bills and all of these different things that you have to keep track of and you're busy and your schedule gets crowded, that people quickly become 
overwhelmed and and now all of a sudden all of these plans and ideas and perfect scenarios that they had in mind are quickly thrown out the window because there's just no way to make them work. And we feel very much just like Lucy, quickly becoming overwhelmed by a situation that we weren't prepared for. But see, the way to solve Lucy's problem is not to stop the chocolates from coming down the conveyor belt. Because the whole reason Lucy is there is to wrap the chocolates for the factory. And if there's no chocolates that ever show up, then there's no point in Lucy being there. And the same thing applies to us in our lives. If there was no troubles in this world, if there was no one who needed help, if there was no one who needed to know of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, if there was no sin in the world, there would be no need for the gospel message. And I think so often we're trying so hard to just make our life perfect and comfortable and easy And the way that we're trying to do that is to try to get rid of the storms that life sends our way, thinking that that's what what we need to accomplish. But that's not what God wants for us to do. Because the storms are going to come either way. There is no way to absolutely get rid of the storms in your life. And so rather than trying to focus on this paradise that you're creating, you instead need to focus on the principles of God's word that will become the foundation to help brace you against those storms. So that just like that house on the rock with that firm foundation that was built strong, it didn't need to worry about the storms that were coming because it was prepared to endure those storms. In that same way, God has given us everything we need to make it through the storms in our life as long as we hold firmly to the foundation that he has set us upon. The storms are going to come Have we applied the truth of God's word to our life? Have we built our life upon his word so that we're ready for it? Or are we still trying to just avoid the storms altogether? Jesus in his life and ministry definitely was not trying to avoid the storms. But he stood on a strong foundation that really shook the foundations of everyone around him. And that's the kind of life that we're called to when we talk about being like Jesus, being followers of Christ. Now, of course, not everyone is in that place. Not everyone has grown up with Scripture to guide them. And many people have even fallen away from the faith. And so that kind of leaves us with a question of, 
What do you do when you have someone whose house has already fallen apart? That they didn't build their house on the solid rock of Christ, they built it on their own ever-changing principles or culture's principles, and have, has, have now encountered the storms that have broken apart their lives. What do you do then? Now, it's important for us to realize that in that situation, in order to fix that broken house that has fallen apart as it's been buffeted by the storms, the only way that we can fix that broken house is to fix the foundation first. Because just like if you were to rebuild that house that has fallen apart, but set it upon the sand once again, you're really not doing that house any favors, certainly not the person who lives in that house. Because as soon as the next storm comes, it's going to crumble apart again. And you have to change the foundation that that house is built upon in order for it to stand against that storm and the next storm, and every other storm that comes that way. The foundation has to be fixed first. And that is not a pleasant process. To break everything down to that level, anytime you try to break through concrete, it's not a pleasant experience. It's tough. It takes a long time but it's absolutely necessary. And you are not being kind to that person who lives in that house. If you're rebuild, helping them rebuild their house on that sandy foundation again. And I think too often, that's what we do with people. Is that people come to us with broken lives and they're looking for help. And they're wanting us to give them so much and to help them put their lives together. But even in that situation, we don't want to make them uncomfortable. And so we never bring up Jesus. We never bring up our faith. We don't want to bring up that that religion topic. And so we're just going to be nice to them and and kind of do what we can and, and just, you know, be nice and kind and helpful to them that way. And too often all we're doing is rebuilding that house on that sand that is not going to be prepared to face the upcoming storms simply because we're trying to be nice to the person and trying to be kind and and trying to not make them uncomfortable. But I think too often really it's not that we're trying to make them uncomfortable, it's that we're trying to keep ourselves comfortable. Because it's uncomfortable for us to bring that topic up, and we don't know how to bring it up, and we don't want them to think any less of us. And in the name of kindness and comfort, we are doing something far less kind than we should because we're not being honest with them about what the problem really is and and what the root problem is that needs to be solved how they need a new foundation in their life 
before that new house can even begin to be rebuilt. Let's use a different illustration for this. Move away from houses for a little bit. Let's go to the medical field. If you go in to the doctor because you broke your arm, and it's painful because you broke your arm, and you go to the doctor to fix your problem, if all that doctor does is prescribe you things to deal with the pain and then send you out the door, that doctor is not doing their job. In fact, that's, that's malpractice at that point because the doctor is realizing what the problem is, they know how to solve that problem, but knowing that it's painful to reset the bone and it's uncomfortable to have to wear a cast and you, that you really have to tell somebody what to do if you're telling them to not use that arm for a while and we don't want to inconvenience them in the way that they live. So rather than doing all of that, rather than setting the bone, which is painful, wearing the cast, changing your lifestyle for a little while, and instead of doing all of that stuff, we're just going to give you something to help with the pain. Then the problem's never being solved. And really, it's far less kind for the doctor to just give you pain medication than it is for them to say, you have a broken bone that needs to be reset. And it's going to be painful, it's going to be difficult, but I want to be honest with you about what the problem is and, and where it is that it needs to be fixed, what that process looks like in order for you to ever get better. And there are people in our world whose lives are broken. And you can say it's because of this bad decision or that bad decision, or maybe they just have a bad attitude or all of these different things. But really, all of those are symptoms of the same root problem, which is that they need Jesus in their life. They need these principles of God to stand upon, to help guide them on how to endure the storms that are going to come. And it's our responsibility to not ignore that in the sake of kindness, but to instead be honest with them and say, look, I care about you. I do. I, I want to help you. I see that your life is broken. I see how much pain and turmoil you're in. I don't want that for you. I want to help you get better. But the only way that this is going to work is if you stop relying on your own principles or culture's principles and instead find the truth of God's love for you and accept the plan that God has for your life. That's the only way that things are going to get better and stay better. And we need to be honest with people about that. That they need Christ to be the foundation of their life, as he is in our life as well. That foundation that we actually build our life upon to help us endure the storms rather than trying to stop the storms, and how we help other people build that foundation as well.
Is your house built upon the rock or the sand? And so I'll leave us with this question. How have you made Christ the foundation of your life? Can you think of how you've done that? Can you think of practical ways that you have applied God's word to your life? Because if you can't think of ways that you have made Christ the foundation of your life, then it's very probable that he isn't the foundation of your life. And if you can think of those ways that you have built your life upon the principles of God's word, recognize those things and lean into them more. Trust God more. Be willing to take those steps of faith that he calls you to take. How have you made him the foundation of your life? And how can you continue to do so more and more in the upcoming days? And that is today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to me either on the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And as always, I encourage you to share this with other people to help get the message out there. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day, and I thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you.